different people have different primary issues and it doesn't really matter to me which one people work on as long as they're working on some of them. What I wish is that everybody who was working on food issues, no matter what the issues are, could get together and form a stronger political force because I think we really need that. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Marion Nessel is a longtime hero for me. Food is one of the major pieces that got me into my environmental work. Reading Diet for a Small Planet in the 80s is what got me from this fear that we're in danger of not getting enough protein and dying, that enabled me to stop eating meat. Years later, it was avoiding fiber-removed foods. Years later, it was avoiding packaged foods. And if you listen to a bunch of my episodes, you know how big of an effect that had for me on acting environmentally. Marion Nestle is a voice of sense in a crowded world where a lot of people are after their own interests and not yours. She's after health and safety and politics. She covers food from every different angle. In this conversation, I talked to her about the path that I expect many listeners are on, but that she started in the 80s for herself, that there's no obvious light at the end of the tunnel for the work that you want to do now. Are we going to make it out of this situation? I'm not sure. But her in the 80s, when she got started, I don't think she could have seen, well, this is what I talk about here is could she see what would come of things later? So I wanted to bring vision that perseverance pays off to take the long view. Her most recent book is called The Unsavory Truth, How the Food Companies Skew the Science of What We Eat. Industry twisting how the public perceives an issue probably sounds familiar to people working on the environment. Her other books include What to Eat, Food Politics, Why Calories Count, Safe Food, all of them simple to read. They just cut to the chase of what's important with sensible writing that's clear and easy to read. You could start with any of them. There's big overlap between food and the environment regarding leadership, which she and I talk about. Just to give an example, when she read that the USDA found that Americans could get their recommended daily allowance for 64 cents, that seemed really low to her. And so she did what I consider science, is she just went out and bought some green beans to see if she could satisfy the US recommended daily allowance for that little amount of money. It turns out she not only was able to, but she satisfied it for even less money. And not only that, but buying fresh was cheaper than buying frozen or canned. That's the kind of useful science that Marion writes about, or investigative journalism. Anyway, I expect that she will inspire a lot of listeners. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Marion Nessel. Marion, how are you? I'm just fine. And it's great to have you here. So for people who don't know, I saw you speak at NYU where you are a professor. Well, I'm a professor. You're a professor here, an emerita, I believe. Mm-hmm. And... You were speaking, you could have spoken about food in a million different ways. And I've actually been trying to catch the number of ways food connects to virtually everything in life. And for you, it's about politics. It's about health, teaching, writing, safety, business, community, science, and so many different things. Your latest book is about 
science and research into food and how it can get distorted. Is, is, that, is that about right? Oh, yeah. That's, it's about how f- food companies influence research and that they pay for and influence nutrition societies that they support. And it, it infiltrates our lives in so many different ways that we don't even realize, and they're really effective at it. It's kind of, to me, I get like outrage. I'm like, how can they do this? But you really, you have a really fun way of, not how to put it, you're upbeat about it. You're, you're upbeat about what you do. Well, yeah, I teach students. They keep me upbeat. Um, I mean, these are people who are going to be working in the food industry for the rest of their lives. I want them to be interested in the same kinds of issues that I am and try to make things better. And we attract a population of students in our programs at NYU who come in here because they want to change the world. I'm for that. (laughs) Partly I ask because a lot of what you said, you could have said about the environment as well. And I think a lot of people feel frustrated, but would like to feel invigorated and like to, it sounds like a big piece of surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and equally active and uh, the community plays a big role in it. Well, and also food connects to the environment because how we produce and consume food has an enormous amount to do with greenhouse gases. Production agriculture is responsible for about a quarter of greenhouse gases by some estimations and you know the how we consume how we waste food all of those things have enormous in, environmental impact yeah there's a direct connection as you describe also from an a behavior and leadership perspective i think it's also very similar i see similarities in that it's you know if you eat one health, unhealthy meal that's not really that big of a deal if you uh, do one polluting thing it's not that big of a deal but it all adds up and it's hard I think a lot of people would prefer to behave differently, but it's so we have these systems around us that it makes it so easy not to. It's it's a big challenge. You know, from the food area, the you know, the, there's one thing that people can do, which is to eat less meat because beef has the the growing of cattle has the largest effect in the agricultural system in producing greenhouse gases. So eating less meat is something that people can do right away. I'm not saying that people shouldn't eat meat at all, but just eating less of it is a good thing to do for the environment. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things that people could do and getting them started is one of the big challenges. Because I think most people, when they switch, they don't go back. Well, environmentally, I think the people I've worked with tend not to slide back. I'm really curious that your work is so infused with passion. And correct me if I'm wrong. And it would be easy for me to guess at what the passion is driving at all. But I feel like if I have you, you could probably explain it. I mean, because was I right in, in, in how it connects with so many parts of life? And that must be a big part of it. But what got you going and what keeps you going so much, if you don't mind my asking? Well, as I said, students. Uh, I am in a very privileged position. I teach students who are interested in the kinds of things that I'm interested in. I talk to reporters every day of my working life who are interested in the kinds of things that I'm interested in. Um, that's kind of exciting. It's a full employment act. It, It keeps me keeping up with the literature, which I find very entertaining. Um, I like writing books. That's, I really like writing books better than doing just about anything else. And I get to do what I want to do. That's pretty terrific. Yeah, I guess it really, I bet a lot of people would envy having someone, having a passion that delivers so much value and connects with so many different things. 
I worked very hard to get here. Let me let me put it that way. But I know how privileged I am. Um, I have a very privileged position. You have, I mean, I have an, a tenured position, or I had a tenured position at a university in New York City that supports my work, has never criticized it, um, has never, I've never not once has anybody come in here and said, you know, you're keeping us from raising money. Um, that never happens. I have lots of people who are interested in what I do. It's, that's privileged. And I never needed outside money. I never needed grants or haven't for years and years and years to do the kind of work that I do. So I'm not beholden to anybody. I have a feeling somewhere in the university, there aren't people saying, why are we giving her money? They're probably saying, she keeps bringing really good students. Do what it takes to keep her here. That is what happens here is that students come here because they're interested in the kinds of issues that I write about. And you said the hard work at the beginning was, did you... I suspect that at the beginning you didn't anticipate that you would reach where you are to be able to say you feel so privileged. And well, no, I started out as a molecular biologist and a lapsed one at that because I had small children at the time. I finished my doctoral program and postdoctoral work, and I just couldn't do a lab. I, was, I just couldn't. There were women who could do lab careers that required the kind of time that bench research requires, but I couldn't. I just didn't have adequate childcare. So I gave it up and took a teaching job and I was given a nutrition course to teach and my first teaching position. And that was in 1975. So I, I have a very long career at this point. Uh, and, you know, it, I worked for a long time to get to the point where I had a tenured position where I could write about what I wanted to write about without getting into trouble. Yeah, part of the reason I'm asking is that I think that some of the readers or some of the listeners who talk to me talk about how they can reach something like where you are. And I think of them don't, a lot of them don't realize the work that goes into it. And so partly why I'm asking is I think there's a lot of people who, for them working on the environment now is maybe you working on nutrition in the seventies and your experience may inform them of what it takes to get there, but what it's worth when you do get there? Well, I'm not sure how to answer that question. I did what I thought was right. Um, I worked on what I was interested in, and it turned out what I was interested in is something that lots of people are interested in. So that's quite fortunate. I think lots of people are interested in the environment. It's just such a big problem at this point that they don't know how to uh, go after it. And I think that's one of the reasons why food waste has become such a popular issue is it's something that individuals can do uh, that doesn't require changing the entire food system, which of course would be much harder when what we really need is to change the food system. And the question is, how do you go about doing that? That's a tough question. Yeah. Systemic change is very difficult. And partly, yeah, partly what I want to do with the, the Leadership in the Environment podcast is bring leaders from other areas and have them share how they got there, who they are, what the challenges were that they faced faced in those other fields. Because I think that most of them, it's, it's generally across the board, no one knew that they were going to become great in the field that they became great in when they started. But I think that also opens- How could you? You can't. I mean, first of all, you can't see the future. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who have the kind of confidence- 
that it takes to just put yourself out there right at the beginning. But I didn't have that kind of confidence. And I came into the nutrition and food area from a very, very different academic background and I'm essentially self-taught in food and nutrition. Um, and I learned what I needed to know because I taught it. And I needed, in order to explain to students in a way that students can understand, you have to know a field really, really well. But I'm basically self-taught in it. That took a very long time. It was not something that I did in a year. It was something that I did over many years. I had a eight-year teaching career um, at Brandeis University. I was at University of California, San Francisco for 10 years. And I was in, I worked in government for two years before I came to NYU. And I've been in NYU for 30 years. I'm very old. That's another <laughs> point. It takes a long time. So, you know, looking back, I can tell you that at the beginning, it was very difficult. First of all, I had to learn a lot really a lot. And my first piece of advice for people who want to be treated as experts is to be an expert. And to be an expert, you've got to read a lot and think a lot and talk to a lot of people. And it doesn't come quickly. People think that food and nutrition are simple because everybody eats and everybody has personal experience with it. But in fact, it's complicated and it's if it were really simple we wouldn't have any issues about it but the research is complicated and very difficult to do people eat very very different kinds of diets and we have a food industry that's trying to make money off of people's misunderstanding and confusion about what it is that you need to eat to eat to be healthy and what it is that would be better for the planet I mean, I'm just in despair because we just passed a farm bill that I thought lost. And it's just what a lost opportunity that was to try to create a healthier food system. But instead, it's just, um, as I'll say in a blog post tomorrow, same old, same old. Yeah, I remember when at the when I say speak, someone asked about things that we could do. And they said, what about this? What about that? And you said, well, those things aren't going to happen under the current administration. So let's not even talk about that. And it, I thought, well, that was really direct, but I thought that's the best thing to say. Or well, what can we do? The current administration isn't going to do much, but you need to be ready for when the administration changes. Yeah. Or to find where you can act. And locally, sometimes exactly. you can do things that might not work nationally. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important to work locally. It's much more satisfying and you can really do a lot. Oh yeah. Actually, actually, since your talk, there's a group that I joined, the, um, Slow Food USA. I was just when I was researching you, and it just led to me led me to there, and so I joined and I wrote them and said I'd like to you know I, I cook these great no packaging vegetable stews, and I think they wrote back to me to engage on something, and then I joined my third CSA <laughs> just because uh, the way the different seasons work out, and yeah, I have to say that connecting with food on a local level, visiting farms, when I was I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago when I was going out clubbing and I thought, oh, I'm such a sophisticated person in New York. If someone said, Josh, your highlight of the summer is going to be visiting the farm where you get your food from. I would never have guessed that I would like that more. And I like it a lot more. It's so much more deeply satisfying to look at a field of kale and know that one of them is going to be in your stomach and to just dig in the ground and get out some carrots and you know eat them that night and 
I love the expression of people. Sorry if I'm going on. I have a terrace in Manhattan and I grow food on my terrace. Uh, I like it a lot. Yeah. There's something, when I think of how satisfying it feels, I feel like it must be genetic. Like we evolved to really love getting delicious food out of the ground. And most of our lives are so much removed from that. Most of my life up until a couple of years ago was almost completely removed from that. Well, I think lots of people find that they grow up, and especially if you grow up in cities, you grow up without having much sense of what that's about. I'm I'm a great believer in vegetable gardens. They're amazingly productive, even small ones. I grow things in pots. I've had blueberry bushes on my terrace for 10 years. Uh, they survive the winter and they produce every summer like magic. Oh man, blueberries. I love blueberries. Yeah, it's it's funny that I used to think that the best vegetables and fruits, like the exotic fruits that you think associate with the tropics, I always thought they're the best. But in New York, when Concord grapes come out and the different types of apples and the pears, it's incredibly delicious. I just put a peach tree on my terrace. I hope it survives the winter. Oh man, so do I. I was just giving someone my, I had so many peaches this past summer for my CSA. As much as I love them, I decided to try to make vinegar out of one and the vinegar has come out delicious. It's my best vinegar yet, as much as I sacrificed. I did that last summer. So I, yeah, I tried it a different way this time. So yeah, is food also, when I think of you and food, I think of public, political teaching and less about your personal experience with food. But now talking to you, I'm kind of curious about it. Is it something that you talk about? Is it, is it, I imagine it's, is it as big a part for you, the experience of food, of, of growing it and eating it and cooking it and all that? Yeah, I like it. I discovered food when I was a kid that fresh food tastes really good. And I've loved vegetables ever since. And I, every chance I get to grow my own, I do. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. I really appreciate you sharing this. And the reason is that I think that your experience is the experience that I think a lot of people would like to have and don't know that it's available to them in the area of the environment or the area of food. And obviously there's a big, as you say, there's a big overlap between them. Uh, So I I really appreciate you sharing that. I think it's a lot of people look at acting on the environment as something that's kind of uh, a distraction or something that it would take sacrifice. And I don't think they realize the potential that's available to them. And did you have example of role models that you followed when you were back in the seventies and eighties? Um, about what? About leading you to what you became, that there was a light at the end of the tunnel of just struggling with the food. No, I mean, I've always been interested in food. My family had vegetable gardens. I mean, it was just part of what we did. And really, there's nothing to growing tomatoes if you have the right spot for them. It's very, very easy to do. And I don't, you know, I just do it. I always have. I hope that also people feel that way about, I don't know, not accepting disposable cups and bottles and not driving when they could walk, things like that. Like it's Well, for those of us who live for those of us who live in New York, it's much easier. I don't have a car and I've never had a car since I've been here. Well like that part, yeah. And the, there's still always things that I think to me, 
the way you talk about food things, I think I'm getting there with food. I think with environmental things, it's like, it's not hard for me not to get a disposable cup when someone offers me one. I simply decline it. And if I'm thirsty for a little while, I'll wait until I pass by a water fountain or I get home and can drink water at home if I don't have a container that I brought with me. And for some people, that seems like very difficult. Like they'll say, oh, I have to raise my awareness. I have to become more conscious about these things. Or they'll say, how do you do it? How can you drink water without blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, I find an answer similarly to how you said about growing. You know, it's not that hard if you just, if you do it. Anyway, so I wanted to get that out there that it's, if you do it, it becomes easier and you can become great at it, or you can, you can develop into something that you love with the community around you of people who support you and, and you support them. And you have these common goals that you all work for and it becomes meaningful because I feel like that's what you have for yourself. Are you talking about me personally or are you talking about you generally? Well, I'm talking about you personally, but in a, in a way that I'm trying to make it accessible for people who are out there to the listeners who might think, I'd like to do something, but I don't really know what, or I'd like to do something, but if I act and no one else does, then what I do doesn't really matter. Oh, I think what individuals do matters a lot. Uh, you know, I developed a way to communicate with the public and to do the kind of work I do that works for me. It's not going to work for everybody. I write books. That's what I do. Uh, other people do other kinds of things. They go into communities and organize. Uh, they join organizations. They uh, work on specific issues that are meaningful for them. Those are all great things to do. Those are not things that... I ended up doing, but other people will do the kinds of things that they find more satisfying. I think that's just great. Um, there are plenty of food issues to work on, and there are plenty of ways to work on them. And the trick, it seems to me, is to find one that works for you and one that you feel satisfied doing and that gives you joy and pleasure and maybe does some good for the world. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Yeah. I, and I guess you see students of yours coming through and going through exactly that. They try this, try that. Then eventually they find something that really resonates with them and they stick with it for a long time. And then they start seeing a difference that they've made. That's the wonderful thing about school is you get to try lots of different things out in the different classes that you take and in your exposure to people who look at issues from very different points of view. That's one of the benefits of formal education. But lots of people who are interested in food issues go out and work on farms, um, go to food companies and work for food companies, work in restaurants. Uh, there are just lots and lots of ways of doing this. And when I go to a new town or a new city that I haven't been in before, um, if I'm giving a talk or something like that, I just always Google uh, food advocacy and the name of that town. And I'm astounded by the number of organizations that pop up. You know, in New York City, there are literally hundreds of organizations working on food issues, but I, I don't think I've ever gone anywhere where I couldn't find a bunch, you know, more than one, five, six, ten different organizations, even in small towns that are working on food issues of one kind or another. So if, you, if you're looking for something to join or some or some issue to work on, that's a really easy way to start. You know, you're making me think of how I just went across the country and I stopped, every place I stopped at, I would go to the farmer's markets. I would ask them about composting and they would talk about the efforts. And if I stayed for any longer, I could have, I was really in Houston. I was there for about a week. And I was like thinking maybe I should help them. But yeah, I didn't realize how accessible 
that makes communities connecting on food and especially acting on food and, and health. And sorry, I'm just uh, thinking about the next time I travel, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do what you did. I'll tell you how it went. <laughs> More fun for me. And one thing I, I like to ask people when I have them on the show is, speaking of the environment, if you don't mind my switching topics a little bit, not completely, is the environment something that's a big deal for you? Is it something, I mean, obviously it overlaps with food a lot. Well, obviously it is. Agriculture, as I said, is responsible for probably a quarter of greenhouse gases. So how you grow food and how you raise animals for food has a big impact on the environment. Um, as an individual, there's only so much I can do, but I cannot drive a car. I can walk or ride a bicycle. I can grow food on my terrace. I can compost on my terrace. So I'm not throwing a lot of food waste away. I can try to avoid drinking soft drinks so I'm not generating more plastic bottles and cans and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, those are individual actions that I think are fine and that collectively could make a difference. But if we really want to change the impact of human life on the planet, we have to make really major changes in policy that are difficult right now with the kind of administration we have. So I think individual action is terrific, but political action is needed to run for office. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm good. If, if it's okay with you, I might follow up with you on that because you know more about those things than I do. And you said you start with becoming an expert. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll follow you up and see if there's resources you could point me to in that direction. Well, I have, I have some listed on my website and I write about things on my website, these things on my website, foodpolitics.com. Um, look under advocacy. Okay. I will do that and let you know how things go. And one thing I also ask is, is it sounds like most of the things that you've thought of doing, you are probably doing. I wonder if there's anything that you haven't thought of doing or have thought of doing, but maybe haven't started doing that you might be, that you might want to try out and share the experience acting environmentally. If I haven't thought of it, I haven't thought of it. So that eliminates things I haven't thought of. I don't know what those would be. Yeah. I, I meant to say I haven't acted on. Yeah. I do the best I can. And that's all I would ask of anybody else. So is there anything that's lying around that you've been like, I've been meaning to do X, but I haven't gotten around to it? No, I pretty, I'm pretty much act on those things. Okay. Yeah. That's a challenge when I have people on who have been at this for a long time, they generally have made their life about that and they've done all the low hanging fruit. And I bet you do a lot more than just low hanging fruit as well, that you probably do high hanging fruit. You have to figure that people have to figure out for themselves what they can do that fits into the lifestyle that they want to leave, want to live. I'm not somebody who is willing to give up all processed foods or never to take elevators or never to go on airplanes. That's, that's not something that I feel comfortable doing, but I do what I can. Um, and I think that would, and I try to do it in the food area because that's what matters to me. And I try to encourage other people to do, to do that because that's what matters to me. The big issue in food is consuming animals because that's where the greenhouse gas problems come from. Um, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. And I don't think that it's necessary not to eat animals at all. But I do care a lot about the way food animals are treated. And I encourage people who 
for whom that is their primary issue to continue to do the work that they're doing. Different people have different primary issues and and it doesn't uh, it doesn't really matter to me which one people work on as long as they're working on some of them. What I wish is that everybody who was working on food issues, no matter what the issues are, could get together and form a stronger political force, because I think we really need that. And I think your books cover that a lot. Well, thank you. I try. <laughs> and I want to close with this. I'm going to close with a very selfish question. When I looked at your NYU page, it described classes that you've taught. And I thought, those classes look amazing. As a professor, I bet I could take them. And then I saw the dates were all not recent. And I, I wondered, is she not teaching now? I'm retired. Yeah, so, you, so you're not teaching anymore. <laughs> well, I am teaching. I teach a one credit class in the spring on food systems. Is that available to, say, an adjunct it's professor? It's available to people with bachelor's degrees from accredited universities. They can register for it as a special student. Ah, so I could take it. You could. I'm going to start looking into it. That would be great. Anything I didn't think to ask or that you want to leave as a message for people or a way to contact you? or? Well, my website is foodpolitics.com. I've written 10 books about food politics since 2002. Uh, The most recent one is Unsavory Truth, How Food Companies Skew the Science of What We Eat. And there's information about all of my books and pretty much everything I've published and the lectures that I give and the media interviews I do um, are all posted at foodpolitics.com. If anybody's interested, my life is an open book. And I have to say, it's it's all, from the reader's perspective, it's engaging and, and delightful. And how you are in this, in this is like, it's, because a lot of times people think food politics, oh, politics, I don't know, but it's fun. It's engaging. At least that's been my experience. Well, I thank I think you very much. Fun. I think it's fun. Um, and um, I like the work very much. I think food is fascinating. And I hope that other people find it interesting too. Mary Nessel, thank you very much. My pleasure. With all of the famous people that I've hosted, I felt more nervous with Marion. I think because food in the 80s started me acting on my values like this, and so a bit of my high school self came into the picture. One of the things I love about talking to people with experience is that experience enables people to reduce things to their simple essence. I think also having a background in science does too. And I don't know about you, but I felt that she reduced a few things to their essence and said things very, very simply. And one of the main goals of this podcast is to bring expert leadership from other areas into the environment. And so I think that if you want to act on the environment, using Marion as a role model will get you far. As a side note, since seeing Marion in person, which led to this podcast, I've subscribed and I've subscribed to very few newsletters, but I subscribe to hers and I really enjoy reading food politics. So I recommend all of her books, her videos on YouTube and her blog, foodpolitics.com. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. 
I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.